Good morning and welcome to our worship. If you are online with us, I'm grateful that you're taking this opportunity to pause and to once again be be together as a church uh, digitally. It is hot outside. Already 10 o'clock, it's over 100. So I'm grateful that we can be back in here and we can let the team <laughs> not get sunburned as they also get burned with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to begin our time today in prayer, and we're going to be focusing, we're in this series called The Backyard Pilgrim, and the question that's been revolving around our discussions and has been uh, in our readings and also on Sundays in our preaching is this idea, this question, where is God? That's the question. Where is God? And today we're going to be jumping in. Last week we had this idea of freedom. This week we jump into what's known as the fall in Genesis 3. This can be a wonderful time of, of, of being honest with who we are and also honest with who God is for us. So this will be rich. Let us begin joining our own hearts in prayer, and then we'll be singing a, a song with Felipe. So Lord God, we turn our hearts once more. We orient our hearts once more and our thoughts and what we're thinking about and what we're physically doing, we're pausing to, to watch this. We're pausing to, to stop the, the hectic, busy life that we have, particularly now, Lord, as, uh, as we're living in, in these times where rhythms change daily. Uh, we, we do honor you, nevertheless, with this moment. We are, we are putting a stop and putting a pause on those rhythms. Lord, I pray that you would give us now the grace and you would give us the, the motivation to watch this worship, to, to experience this worship, and to join in, in in a way that that will be possible on this live feed. Lord, I pray that you would cut out the distractions as we're on Facebook or as we're watching this in some other way. Lord, I pray that you would focus our hearts and our minds in here. You are good, and your loving kindness, your covenant to us, it endures forever. And so we are a people of thanksgiving today for the good blessings, the richness of the relationships and, and, and the experiences that you have brought to us in this past week. We turn back thanks. We lift up your name as the Holy One, the Creator God. And it is in your name that we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'll remind that the words are attached to this live link and have been spread out for you on Facebook, and, and I believe that they'll also be on the WhatsApp group that we have. So I encourage you to go ahead and open up that digital hymnal. You'll find all the words. Now, there, there are English words and there are Spanish words. And I always will encourage you to sing in whichever language works for you. We try and put uh, the, the words right next to each other. So even if Felipe is singing something in English and you prefer to sing in Spanish, you can do so. Or if Felipe is singing in Spanish, the exact same verse with the exact same words in English are next to it. So just sing in English. If you know the melody, that's one of the great gifts of music is that we can do it together even in different languages. Okay, so today if you just want to engage in English, go for it. And if you just want to engage in Spanish, go for it. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's celebrate then. Come on. 
You were God from the outset, powerful and creative. You who saw us here before you called the stars and the earth to existence. You are God, you are holy. History is your story. You who was and is and who forever will be, God will live for your glory. So we will run all together with hearts aflame. With the fire that can be tamed, our God, all glory to your name, Jesus. You are God, you are freedom, you're alive now within us. You who saw us here before you conquer the grave and deliver on the promise. So we will run all together with hearts aflame. We're the fire that can't be tamed. Our God, all glory to your name. We will run our surrender to bring you faith. Our desire that you be praised. Our God, all glory to your name. Amen. We're going to turn to Genesis 3. I invite you to follow me there. You can, if you're on a phone or if you're on a Facebook, if your phone does multiple apps at the same time, you can go to Genesis 3. Follow me there. If you're on your computer, just open up a new window. Nowadays, it is super easy to find scripture. Just type in Genesis 3. It'll take you there. We're going to be reading the following scene in this story of creation. We've started literally in the beginning, and we moved into Genesis 2, and, and what God was giving us as freedom, and then this next scene is where we'll be lingering this week. What, what do humans do with that freedom? How, how do we enter into that relationship with God, and, and then what humans do, how does God react? That's where we're sitting today. So we're going to be reading 
uh, Genesis 3, and it says this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from fruit in the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, and he gives them this punishment. We're going to pray now that the Lord would continue to open our eyes and our hearts as we step into this story, this honesty of who we are as humans, but also find the grace of God here. So Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds once again, that this would be a space and time in which your word can descend into our thoughts, down into even our hearts, where we can learn to do and to be what you have created. In your name, Christ, we pray. Amen. So as we jump in here in Genesis 3, uh, we, we've been looking already at this idea of freedom and this God-created freedom that we each have. And as we move into this, this message today, we're going to be talking about as, as we make choices in our lives, as we go on living with this freedom and doing, doing something that could bring God glory and to bring goodness into the world, but also do things that God would not have wanted us to do and things that bring harm into this world, we're going to look at four things, things that matter and things that don't matter. Four ways in which it matters and four ways in which it doesn't matter. First, it matters what fruit you pick. I think we all know this. Every choice that we make has a repercussion in our life. This past week, as we did focus on God's decision 
to give us freedom. It was first in this, in this Genesis creation, Adam and Eve context where we saw that human freedom has the capacity to bring life and it has the capacity also to bring death and harm. And as we look at our own lives, we see that each of our decisions has the capacity to continue to inspire life and also the freedom that you have has the capacity to bring people or this world harm. We have to make decisions all the time, right? You come home at night, you turn on Netflix, you have to decide what you're going to watch. The ballot comes in the mail, you have to decide what name you're going to check on the ballot. You have to decide where you will invest your time each and every day. If it's going to be at work or in your family or with your friends or in your hobbies. Each and every day, we have this freedom in our hands. And first, it matters. It matters how you're deciding to use your life. There are ways in which you can use those decisions, that freedom you have to bring yourself life, to bring those around you life, to in fact care for this world. And then there are the ways, there are the ways in which we can make life decisions that end up harming ourselves and those around us. And what God's hopes are for this world. It matters to the extent that Adam and Eve lost Eden. There's this certain beautiful dream and naivete that we each bring into each, each moment, each new experience in our life. You bring it into a new relationship that you're starting with, with another significant other. You bring it into a marriage, for instance. You have what we call the honeymoon phase. There's, there's this Eden phase in all of our lives. You come into a new job, and there's this honeymoon phase, this Eden phase in your workplace where you, you have so, so many great hopes. And eventually, <laughs> in that relationship or in that job, no matter what it is you're jumping into for the first time with those dreams and those idealistic visions, eventually the day or the moment comes of the fall. <laughs> the moment comes in which Eden is proven to be too perfect. And Adam and Eve start this off for us. They are this prototypical human experience in which that freedom that we have been given by God will inevitably be used by us to wreck the Edens in our life. Or someone else. Or someone else will wreck that Eden in our life for us. But this is the historic this is the story the Bible tells, that with freedom, there are just times when humans get it wrong. It matters what fruit you pick. It matters what tree you find yourself at today. But it doesn't matter. So have you ever played hide-and-seek with a very young child? Perhaps you've walked into a room, and if you haven't, you'll hear it now, playing hide-and-seek with a young child, and you have to act like you have no idea where they are. Because where might they be? In the corner, covering their eyes, thinking that you cannot see them if they close their eyes. Have you ever had that experience? Or have you ever played peekaboo with a baby? 
playing peekaboo with a baby is probably one of the best uses of life. <laughs> There's so much joy in the face of the, of the baby, and you can just cover your own face and open up, and for the baby, it's like you've completely disappeared and came back. We do this all the time, not just playing with young children in hide-and-seek. This is what we do when those Edens fall apart in our life. We play hide-and-seek with God, and we think that if we close our eyes, God can't see us. We think if we ignore or pretend that God's not there, somehow God disappears from our life. We think that we can hide in our garden when things have gone wrong, and somehow the repercussions of those choices, of that fruit that we've picked that we should not have eaten, somehow those, those repercussions will not come, or somehow, somehow God might just overlook what we're doing. But it doesn't matter if you close your eyes. God at all times knows which tree we're barking up. He knows which fruit we're picking. This past week, when you, when you were alone, had those thoughts or took those actions that you don't even want to tell yourself you did, God still sees. God still sees. It doesn't matter if you close your eyes. I love Benjamin Franklin. He, um, one of the things he was famous for, a quote that he was famous for making known, is, he that lieth down with dogs shall rise with fleas. <laughs> this idea that every action that we take when we're picking the fruit that does not bring life, that there is a repercussion, and it, and it will be something we live and experience. But it matters. It matters which fruit we choose. It doesn't matter if you close your eyes, but it does matter whether you trust Jesus in your orchard. Today, as you walk through the fruit trees of your life, as you are having to make decisions and decide how you're going to use your life, it matters if you trust Jesus in your orchard. I went to the nursery in spring and I was going to pick out several plants so I could help my front yard look a little more lively. And when I got there, you know, there's people that are walking around that work there, but I, I didn't go to any of them. I just went and I found a few plants that I thought would go great in my yard. And I brought them home and I planted them in the full sun. And it turned out these plants were shade plants. So in two weeks, all the money I spent and all the work of digging up the dirt and planting these things, what happened? They all died. And it was very, it was very discouraging. I went back to the nursery. And I said, well, that didn't work. I'll buy some more plants. You know, these, these people that walk around there, I didn't talk to them. I, I went and bought a few more plants that I thought might still work, went home and planted them. They didn't say shade, but they were half shade, half sun. I thought it would work. Two weeks later, the plants died again. Finally, I go back to the nursery. And do you know what the role is of these people that are walking around that work there? Their role is to be a guide for me so I can ask them questions about what type of plants I should and should not buy in my life. Jesus 
is Jesus is this, this expert at the fruit in your life. Jesus, there at creation as God, knows exactly what fruit you were designed and not designed to pick in your life. And yet so many, so many times in our life where we know it matters what fruit we pick, we know that we have an effect in our lives and on those around us. And even though that matters to us, instead of going to Jesus as this expert in the orchard of our life, we close our eyes. We pretend that God is not there. And we pretend that Jesus is not who he says he is. But lastly, you know what doesn't matter? Even when you choose the fruit that brings harm, even when you close your eyes as God comes to try and give that expert advice, even still, God never leaves you. Perhaps the most shocking part of the story of Genesis is that as Eden is lost, and as Adam and Eve must leave, and they are now living with the repercussions of, of having thorns in their life. That's the, the, what God says. There will now be thorns in your life. There will be hardship. You have to live with your decisions. You made your bed. <laughs> you have to sleep in it. Okay. Adam and Eve have to leave this perfection. And does God stay in that perfect Garden of Eden and let Adam and Eve now live without him? I think the, the most amazing grace is that as Adam and Eve leave, leave Eden, who follows them out? Who is with them always? The Lord their God. It doesn't matter if you pick fruit in your life that brings you harm. It doesn't matter if you've picked fruit in your life that has harmed other people when it comes to God's presence in your life. At all times, Jesus is walking through with you in that orchard. There are repercussions for those decisions you've made, and there is justice. But the one who knows how to move forward is always with you. God, as the Son of in Jesus Christ, in all times, that Spirit of God is with you and is and is there when you ask for help, is there when you ask for guidance. God has chosen you, not because you would pick the perfect fruit. God chose to enter into this love relationship with Adam and Eve to create them for that, not because he suspected that they would always make the right choice. God has chosen to love you, not because of your doing, but because of your being. God has chosen to always be for you, never because of what you're doing, but always of simply who you are. Now, there are so many people right now that need to hear this. We beat ourselves up each and every day because of the things that we've done, thinking that our worth is only based on our action. 
thinking that we can only gain the respect of others because of what we do, either as people in the workplace, in our families, and before God. We even, with our own sense of identity, will build up a false image in which I'm only good as far as I have done something. This is lie. This is not biblical truth. Your worth, which is God's love for you, God's decision that you are worthy, comes only because he created you and he loves you for who you are. It has not to do with what you do. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. As as we move into this week, there's going to be story now of, of this Genesis 3 as we move through the backyard pilgrim. And I invite you today as we enter into this journey, as you enter into your walks during this week, let yourself, let your guard down to be honest that we have often chosen the fruit that has brought harm to ourselves, to others. And instead of playing hide-and-go-seek with God this week, instead of closing your eyes, pray for the grace to be found by God. Pray for that grace once more to open yourselves up vulnerably, to be loved by one who doesn't love you because of what you do, but a God who loves you because he created you and he loves you in your being. Let's pray. Our creator God, you who formed us from the dust, We praise and thank you for that love that you have given to us, that you have chosen us, and not based on works, but based on who we are. Lord, I I ask that you would return to us a sense of faith in this gospel, in this good news. Lord, we pray for those people that are today struggling with a sense of worth, a sense of identity. Father, may your spirit come once more into into our lives, seeding faith that through the cross and that through your resurrection, that your love has been shown to us regardless of what we have done. Lord God, I, I ask that your Holy Spirit now would be watering those seeds that in each of our lives, our, our identity, our, our sense of who we are would be crafted, would be founded, and would be grounded in your love for us, our Father, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Savior. speak to our hearts. You have chosen me, not because of what I do, but because of who I am. Father God, you love me because I am your being, not your doing. 
And in fact, it is making us in your hands <laughs> that had brought us life. And throughout our lives, it is your sustaining hands that move us forward. And it is your hands outstretched on your cross that now have gained for us the gift of eternal life. We raise your name. We magnify your name, Jesus, today. May this gospel truth go so deep into the roots of our lives that now as we move forward, our decision, our will, our thoughts would be grounded in your love. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.